Come on, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. Martin. You never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Never did I think that this song would appear on my show. I mean, I listened to it when I was a youngster. But as a rejoiner, absolutely not. Why are we playing this song? Because we had heard from our on-the-spot German correspondent, T.J. Reeves, yesterday on the program, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter, that they played this at the Buccaneers-Seahawks games in Munich, Germany on Sunday, which is crazy that they would play, and everybody starts singing this song. So, uh, yeah, we got to get to the bottom of that. And where do we go? Of course, none other than Europe. But maybe a couple hours, I have no idea. Southwest, northeast, who knows what? I have no idea. But where do we go? To our good friend Paul Buckpower Stewart in jolly old England. Buckpower.com. <laughs> Paul Stewart is waiting to join us here. It's okay. I guess I'll continue to listen to John Denver. How's the phone company working there in, uh, in England right now? Ipswich or wherever he is. All right. Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played, as we know, in, in Germany against the Seattle Seahawks. And you could definitely turn this music off anytime you want. I don't need to be hearing this anymore. I guess it's not really that bad of a song, though, is it? I have no idea. All right. Join us now from jolly old England. He can tell us a thing or two about the NFL in Europe. Paul Buckpower Stewart. What is up, my man? A very good afternoon to you, TC. Good afternoon, everybody in Vegas. Yes, I think I'm as bad as sick as John Denver as the rest of the world is right now. (laughs) So explain this to me. T.J. Reeves is saying that they're playing this song and the fans are actually singing this song like this is like the Neil Diamond of uh, of sports in Europe, uh, I guess, let alone Germany. Do you know anything about this? Okay, so what it is, TC, is this started back in the 90s in the early days of NFL Europe with the Frankfurt Galaxy and the Rhine Fire. And there were three or four different songs they would play. There was a song by DJ Otzi called Hey Baby, where the crowd would all go, ooh, ah. And that's how it started. DJ Otzi. Paul, hold on. Paul Bug Power Stewart just gave us, one more time, give us a ooh, ah again from DJ Otzi. The song goes something like, hey, baby, and all the crowd goes, ooh, ah. And I'm, we're not doing any more of this. I'm not embarrassing wait, wait, myself wait. Well, well, hold on. Is, so not to be confused, with which we talked about with Steve Sachs the other day, Beach Baby by First Class, correct? Oh, I remember that song. That's a great show. There you go, but, right? So this thing started with, with the fans getting involved in singing, and they would play Sweet Caroline. Right. And John Denver, the, the, you know, Take Me Home started. Well, the best story about this is there was another song 
that used to always get played at NFL Europe games. And there was a band in England in the 1970s called Smokey, and they had a hit with Living Next Door to Alice. (laughs) Now, what would happen is after they would sing Living Next Door to Alice, all the crowd would chant, ooh, ah, who the bleep bleep is Alice and it became a sort of cult thing to do and it got to the point where we were covering an F for Europe games on British TV we had to turn the field mics down because you could hear 30,000 people singing swear words so when it came to the game on Sunday all the real NFL journalists in Europe were just praying they were going to play this the NFL had been pre-warned about it so they didn't do it otherwise you could have had 60,000 people singing something far worse now here's what I understand this is Smokey and living next door to Alice how in the world is this? Who wants to hear this in an NFL football game? I mean, it's, it's this guy looks like a young Barry Manilow, or maybe a young, I guess Barry Gibb, or uh, or an Andy Gibb. He looks more like an Andy Gibb, and uh, I guess one of the lead singers of Smokey. But honestly, Paul Stewart, how does this get played in an NFL game? I mean, there's nothing that's like you know we will rock you about this makes no sense what's wrong with you people over there well hang on hang on aren't you the nation who started playing rick astley songs in new york Mets stadium a few years but ago? that's like you know that's a beat man that's like 135 beats a minute you know what i'm saying this smoky song you know alice and here's the thing i understand there's two versions to this about who in the f is alice i get that but how did that even where who started that because when you listen to this song I mean, are they making fun of the song? Like, okay, who in the F is Alice? No, I think it, I think it originally, from what I read about, it started with people doing it at their concerts in the late right, 70s. Right. And then for whatever reason, you know, some random stadium announcer played the song at a Frankfurt Galaxy game, and that was it. And it became sort of part of the, the NFL Europe culture. Now, of course, NFL Europe, it was more successful in Germany than the other countries. It, it didn't work in England and Scotland, simply because <laughs> the, the British fans over here, we were so knowledgeable about the NFL. We knew NFL Europe wasn't going to be, you know, these were practice squad players and backups. The Germans very much accepted who cares it's football we're going to enjoy and they really bought into the whole thing which was why you know this game was always going to be a massive success and it's just a shame it took so long for the NFL to put a game there so Numchuk do you think you can get the other version the con- the the live version of of uh living next door to Alice are you quick enough to bleep out the no, the I'm F not. part no <laughs> Because we all know what it says. But it's different because I heard both versions. And I'm going, well, that's kind of a, a more raucous version. Maybe because it was a live version or whatever. But, yeah, you're right. That that crowd really got into it. And uh, they, they had to be careful, like Paul said, you know, playing that, uh, you know, at the stadium there. But but here's still yeah, that, that opening, man. The, the, this opening 40 seconds. It's just like really uh, – I, I don't <laughs> – yeah, I don't think you got the right version because the the version that I remember hearing is is the live version. So, all right, I don't think I want to get there. We can just tell everyone in Vegas now needs to go and search this on YouTube, and they're all going to be singing it now for the rest of the week. Everyone's going to be walking around singing it. You could have it at the next Running Rebels game. You could be singing that version of the game. You know when they try and go to four and zero. Oh. It it, it kind of is a little little catchy chorus. I will say this. Here we go. 
played at a uh, stadium there in in england who knows man unbelievable well it's like it's more of a german thing than an english thing so I that mean, was a german thing okay well. okay okay so let me ask you this and i asked tj this question too i don't think he he knew the answer because again this is your territory all right are there differences in the atmosphere in games between these european countries for nfl games i mean even the differences between england and germany you know, the atmosphere, the crowd itself, their reactions, how do they respond? And then, of course, you know, you, you go to Buccaneer games, you know, here in Tampa in the States. Uh, what, what are the biggest differences? Uh, and again, let's throw in Germany since we just had a game there on Sunday. Well, I'm going to call TJ out here because I heard that yesterday he apparently said that the British fans were not as knowledgeable as the German ones. And I'm going to take real offence <laughs> to that. And I'm going to have words with Mr. Rees about this because the, the reason is, TC, and I know we spoke about this before, is the British and the German fans, they are all there to celebrate NFL football. They're not there to support one team. There's no home field advantage. So you're cheering for every big play, whether it's a run, a pass, a sack, an interception, even a punt and a punt return. You know, whereas the American fans will only cheer for their own plays, you know, their home team plays, the, the European fans cheer for any play. And that's the difference. The only difference was is yet the Sunday's atmosphere in Munich was very similar to the first NFL International Series game at Wembley in 2007 when the Giants played the Dolphins. And it was exactly the same. The crowd were really into it. Now, over the years, the British fans have become, I wouldn't say, you know, less excited, but it's like, hey, we've done this right, times right. before. This was a new thing for the German fans, so they went completely over the top. I've never seen anyone get excited over a PAT before, Paul. An extra point, they go crazy, I guess, because, again, you kick the ball, even though it's only from 20 yards, they get very excited because they like kicking. Well, I've heard the Raider fans do that because it means the Raiders have scored a touchdown, which is a pretty rare thing these days. <laughs> this is true, my friend. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we've taught music at these games. We've taught the differences, uh, games in Europe. Um, how about some of the glaring differences from from the crowd, of uh, the tailgate? I mean, you come and you partake in the tailgate at, at, uh, at Buccaneer you know, home games there in, in Tampa, uh, do the Germans do that as well too? And uh, do the English fans? I mean, do they really get involved in in, in tailgating, or is that just nah, not not so much of a thing? Well, it's, a, it's difficult in, in games in London, TC, because neither Wembley or Tottenham have got any kind of real car parking around the stadium. You really get there by public transport. So there's nowhere to hold a tailgate at either of those games. And it's the same with where they have your Lions Stadium in Munich. So there wasn't really 
the opportunity for people to drive in and have tailgates like you do in every game. Do you know, like you do in Green Bay, it's a massive thing. You know, it's a whole day experience to go in, tailgate, and then watch the Packers lose. It's part of the experience of being in Wisconsin. <laughs> so it, it's not really something that's ever going to translate over here. But what you did have was everyone in the stadium an hour before the game started. You know, whereas people drift in and half 20 minutes before they're still filing into their seats. Alliance on Sunday, everybody was there an hour before because it was a huge experience and they wanted to savour every moment. And it's the same as, as 20 minutes after the game had finished, they were still in the stadium singing. Again, that would not happen anywhere in America. All those people were there, Paul Stewart, but you know who wasn't there? You weren't there. Why weren't you there? I don't understand. This is an NFL game. It's in Germany. I mean, take your Eurorail pass or whatever. I mean, what is the reason that you did not go to this game? I mean, it's like me, say, if uh, games uh, a huge game comes once in a lifetime, or let's say that's that musical artist, that bucket list, they're coming down to L.A. or San Diego. I'm going to go. Why were you not in Munich? Oh, there, there were other reasons why I couldn't go last weekend. But, I mean, I know you probably needed me to be there. Yes. Because I've heard that uh, TJ let you down by oh. not getting you a, a German soccer jersey. But TJ did say to me earlier that it wouldn't be right if you weren't asking something for free or complaining about something <laughs> not being supplied for free for you. Wait a minute now. I mean, this guy, as you well know, and you're wearing probably a, a George Steinbrenner High School shirt yourself today. All right, you guys in your T-shirts, you know the piss-poor gifts that T.J. Reeves gives us with his T-shirts. I mean, he comes here, he always wants to give, 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 give. So the one time I say, hey, there's actually something that I would really appreciate you getting for me, and you don't have to pay for it. I'll pay for it myself. You are going to be there. You're at the hub, Bayern Munich, the best team in all of the Bundesliga, German national team, the fans, the capital. I mean, how can you, I just ask for a, a simple request. You're there. Get me a jersey. Give me the new World Cup jersey. We're two weeks away from this. That's all I'm saying, Paul. It should have been a slam dunk. It'd be asking like me to bring somebody back, uh, you know, a, a, a Freddy's uh, burger or a a, a, a Freddy's uh, shake or something like that. It would be so simple for TJ Reeves to do, and he drops the ball. I mean, Numchuk found a jersey on Amazon in 22 seconds. TJ Reeves is right there, and he can't get it. He's making excuses. There, there is no excuse. What, what, what can I say, TC? I mean, if you want, you know, real Buccaneer information and and the facts and all the real details and people to rely on, you come to this side of the pond, not to somewhere in looks in Florida. There you go. <laughs> I right, you some of that huge amount of money you won on on the Astros winning the World Series. I've heard you uh, you won thousands, didn't you? Yes, but I, the thing about it is, I'm willing to pay for my jersey. It's no problem. But <laughs> but here's where I'm going. Here's the deal. I can, and they did. Thank you very much, Westgate Superbook. Um, here's the thing. I'm one of these guys that like. Okay, I'm really not into the whole mail order bride stuff or you know the you know the the mail you know getting stuff uh amazon with these shirts or whatever i like the experience of getting something authentic from the park that's like my astros you know world world championship you know hat and and, and shirt boom i got it right there okay uh same thing i go to germany i would love to be able to get the jersey from there and when i have someone who is there 
right there in in the in the hot spot, so to speak. Uh, I think it's a fair request. That that's all I'm saying, Paul. I mean, plain and simple. I'm will I'm willing to pay for it, but uh, I would just think that that would be a a, a simple thing to do. Well, I'll make you a promise now. When England win the World Cup in about four weeks' time, I will buy you a England winner's jersey and send it over to you. Uh, make sure you get Nunchuck's size on that because he's the one that's going to be wearing it, not me. <laughs> so, yes, we have the World Cup starting. But don't forget, of course, England also won the World Cup last Sunday. I'm sure you were following oh, that. The, the, the breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The World Cup is two weeks away. But Paul Stewart is saying, yes, that England already won a World Cup. That's true. In cricket. In cricket. Huh. Correct. Then now, is that is that a big deal back there? It's a very big deal. So um, it's, a, it's a shorter version. Version of cricket where you only have a limited number of time to score, you know, as many runs as you can. And England beat Pakistan in the final. The big event was beating India in the semi-final. Now, in- India scored a pretty good total, 169. All I will tell you is that England scored 170 runs and didn't make a single out. Do you think the Indians could use a bullpen? <laughs> something. A uh, bullpen, defense, something. I mean, do they play defense in cricket? Is, is that such a thing? Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. It's like defense in baseball. It's how you do it. So, yes, although we're coming in for the Soccer World Cup, England already have a Cricket World Cup, you know, in, in the in the trophy cabinet. And it all starts this Sunday in Qatar. Wait, how did Zimbabwe do? I mean, I mean, Zimbabwe has a cricket team, right? I don't think they have a, a soccer yes, team. Yes, they did. They got... Yeah, they got through the qualifying rounds and they finished, I think, fifth out of sixth in their group. There some were two of the, groups of six countries. They did pretty well to get to where they did. Some of these nations that were in the in the cricket finals, and this was in Australia too, right? Correct. Yeah, and Australia did not make the semifinals, wow. which was great for everyone in England. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, World Cup preview, my friend. Uh, what's the excitement level back there? And uh, what is your gut feeling? Now, we know that England is in Group B, England, Iran, Wales, and Team USA in group number B, my friend. So, I don't know. Handicap it. What do you think here? Okay, well, this is something now. This is where this is something new and, and rare for you, for you Americans, because you're now going to be supporting your country. So, whereas you go and support your Raiders or your Golden Knights or you know whatever sport you follow your team, suddenly you're all coming together and you're all rooting for Team USA, which is different. Now, I think most of the games will take place in the morning American time. You you open up with a game against Wales. Now, this is the first time Wales have reached the World Cup final since. 1958, you will be favoured in that game. But what you tend to find in the first round of group matches is everyone plays not to lose. It's very, very cagey, very defensive. You know, like the first two or three rounds of boxing match where boxers are trying to sort of feel each other out. So England play Iran in their game. England should win that pretty comfortably. And to be honest, most people expect England and America to progress out of that group. But you never know what's going to happen. All I can say is the bragging rights when England played the USA, that could be quite something between you and me, my friend. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll be be looking forward to Group E, my friend, okay? Because you know who's in Group E. I mean, we've got my Germans against Spain. You got Costa Rica and Japan. So hopefully the Germans, you know, and I know this is the, the Germans are not really expected to do 
that much here. Uh, again, just not the star power they've had in World Cups past. But I want to talk to you about just the whole atmosphere here, Paul, because we've been waiting for this every four years. But how maybe subdued is this or how much? How many question marks are there because this World Cup is in Qatar? Most Americans don't even know where Qatar is, what it is, Qatar. But if anybody's followed like the political landscape here, you know that that is a very dangerous region. It's a dangerous country. They bought their way into hosting this World Cup. They really, I really have no business. I don't know if there's going to be any tourism whatsoever. We know that the the government there in Qatar has been offering to pay for people to come there to buy their airfares and tickets to games, all that stuff. Uh, and again, it's just uh, it's it's a country that just is, you know, really what's the word I'm looking for here? Just uh, not in a good light for people. Uh, how are you guys viewing this World Cup over in that country? To be honest, it is absolutely disgusting the World Cup is being held in go. a country like this. There you go. I mean, straight away, you know, the World Cup is usually held in the summer, you know, at the end of most countries' seasons. And, and you know, that's always been the case. And suddenly, this, you know, it should never have gone there. It was completely bribery and corruption with the head of FIFA, Seb Blatter, just taking a whole load of backhanders and going, that'll do, we'll have the World Cup in Qatar. Everyone's been complaining about it for years, but here we are having the World Cup there. Yes, you're right. Many fans can't travel because, there's, you know, you, you get a step out of line there and you're not coming back again. You know, and it, it, it's crazy it should be held there. The, the conditions are going to be too hot. It, it's a joke. And, you know, the amount of it's pretty much like slave labor that's been used to build these stadiums, it's wrong. And it is everything that is wrong in sport that the World Cup is being held there. And yes, it, it's going to cast a huge shadow over the whole event, TC. You're absolutely right. And I'm not. I'm going to stand on my soapbox and shout about it being wrong till till the day this finishes. I agree with you. And, and a lot of Americans, I mean, really don't care about it. And, and I don't think they're really aware of uh, the situation. You mentioned the slave labor. And, you know, HBO Real Sports had done a couple great reports going back over the last couple of years in preparation for this and, and, and showed uh, workers who were, were basically you know coming back sent back uh, home to neighboring countries in pine boxes i mean it's just downright disgusting and i remember you know seeing the story and following it about you know how they got this as well too and the bribes that, that took place and uh you know that that ham and who was in charge of uh fifa uh with seth blatter i mean he's seth blatter. yeah and he's 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 out now but and now he's finally coming out last week saying yes it was totally wrong well it's yeah this is a travesty i i agree with you and i just and i'm just wondering now if we talk about the quality of play you know i mean no one is you know they don't go to qatar to play friendlies you know you're, i mean no one i believe has probably ever gone over there period you mentioned the heat in november uh, you know, we, we can't even really fathom that, but that, that is true. I mean, who knows what the conditions are going to be like? How much of an effect will just the environment have on teams? 
huge because everyone will play very slowly. You know, it'll be slow, boring build-up stuff. Now, I mean, I'm thinking back to some. I mean, I'm not no massive soccer fan, as you know, because I prefer the sports on your side of the Atlantic. But the best World Cups have been the ones that have been held in countries that are absolute hotbeds of football. Italian 90 was an incredible World Cup. You know, the French World Cup in 98 was absolutely fantastic. You know, the one in South Africa, if one remembers, for those damn Venezuelan Vuz- things they were blowing. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. But it, but it was awful in terms of the atmosphere. It was awful because the South Africans really didn't buy into the game. So you need to take it to a country, you know, Italy, Germany, France, England, you know, where the people, you know, Argentina, Mexico, Brazil. You go to these countries where it's a real hotbed of football, not to complete sterile environments. It would be like taking the World Series and instead of having the rabid fans you had in Houston, Philadelphia, and playing it on the moon. It's going to be that kind of equivalent atmosphere. And it's such a shame that the biggest sporting event in the world, which is what the Soccer World Cup is, is being treated like this. And unfortunately, money has talked. Now, this happened in the Olympics, going back in the 80s and 90s. Juan Samaranch, who used to run the Olympic Federation, he was an even bigger crook than Seb Blatter was. And he's dead now, so he can't sue me. But, you know, Blatter learned from him and was as corrupt as he was. And, it, you know, and I saw that quote where he said, well, yeah, we shouldn't have really gone there. You know, that's because you've got a palace built from the money you were given. Yeah, well, but Paul, we appreciate the time as uh, always, my friend. Let's... Uh talk to you uh, much more frequently here with the uh, World Cup because we'll be following it uh, from sea to shiny sea. Sounds good to me, my friends. As I say, go go Team USA, beat Wales, beat Iran, <laughs> but I hope England stuff you. We, we owe you one for the Boston Tea Party. Oh, no. It's just not. It's just wrong. Alright, enjoy yourself, my friend. Bucks have a, a bye week. Uh, they get ready for Cleveland next week. So we'll see you. Paul, appreciate I it, brother. Indeed. Thank you. All right. Okay, guys. Paul Buck Power Stewart. Always fun with him. Come on, people. World Cup. Come together.